Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast, Season 4. With your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the Executive Protection Practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family, I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle and those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time you already know what i'm saying is true so if that sounds interesting to you enjoy the show out boom what's up you guys byron rogers here for another episode of the executive protection lifestyle podcast i've got josh and ryan of empire protection down there in australia and uh out there over the pond how you doing gentlemen well good night how are you (laughs) <laughs> good man this is uh important to me because i've been reaching out to folks outside of the u.s because i really want to try to understand what executive protection looks like outside of the u.s does it exist everywhere outside of the u.s <laughs> you know how do you know how do people survive with this what do the standards look like what are the training requirements are there training requirements you know questions Americans have. Can you do executive protection without guns? (laughs) All that fun stuff, you know? So it's an honor to have you guys there. And you guys have built quite a company down there. So yeah, man, this is going to be good. Appreciate it, man. 100%. Awesome. So a little bit about your background, Josh, and then Ryan, just so everyone, you know, people like to, what's your background, bro? (laughs) Yeah, man. So um, originally my my sort of government background was uh, Australian Federal Police and then uh, Corrections. Um, I was in sort of tactical roles in both those uh, environments. And then um, about eight years ago, jumped on the freelance circuit over here, um, just doing sort of CP work, trying to navigate, you know, building that, as you say, building your personal brand and building the connections and the reputation and um, sort of seeing where that ended. And then, um, yeah, about seven years ago, I uh, started the company kind of because I realized nobody else was doing it good enough. Um, <laughs> good. So I sort of backed in that that opinion and, and here we are. Outstanding. And you said you said you started in Australia and then you popped over here. Where are you guys at right now? No, we're in Sydney now. Okay. We've got, oh. we've got offices in, in Sydney and Melbourne. <laughs> covering uh, sort of the whole Asia Pacific region specifically, but, um, you know, we've got guys going all over the world when it's required. So. Awesome. That's exciting. Good to go. Welcome. Congratulations, you know. Okay, awesome. Ryan, whatever you're... Um, yeah, so I joined the military, uh, went, uh, got selected straight into 2nd Commando Regiment, which is uh, one of three Special Forces regiments in Australia. Um uh, and it took me six months to get in there through a direct entry scheme that they started uh, back in the early 2000s. I was kind of lucky. Uh, we started rolling uh, into Afghanistan shortly after. Yeah. Uh, so I did back-to-back uh, special operations task groups 
I think I did five in total. Um, and then I, I kind of switched roles uh, into the uh, personal protection unit that we uh, have looking after all the politicians and any senior ranking Australian officials, including generals uh, into Af- Afghanistan. So they're short-term and long-term uh, deployments. I think I ended up uh, doing nine deployments in, to Afghanistan over a 10-year period. Um, some years too, some years uh, I had off <clears throat> and then uh, rolled into counterterrorism uh, for the last uh, tactical assault group, which is the force of last resort for the Australian uh, federal government here in Australia. Uh, ended up doing 13 years in total, then rolled out, uh, tried a few different jobs and uh, ended up on the private security circuit, met up with Josh and here we are today. Mm, lightweight. Um- Okay. <laughs> you knew to all this, you know, just yeah. you knew to all this stuff. I see. That's awesome, man. Well, how does, how do you feel about like, what's your executive protection experience like in comparison to all the high speed or high speed sounding stuff that you've been involved with, man? Is it, how does it, you know, like, are you bored? Is it a different stage of life? Are there different things that you appreciate about it? Do you like it? Do you, how do you feel about that transition? No, I think the the transition. Well, executive protection is, is quite new uh, mm-hmm. in Australia. You know, you have your your classic bodyguard, um, right. which is a reactive force to, <laughs> to the most problems. Where there's only one or two firms here in Australia that actually put a risk management lens on executive protection, okay. um, at and really build programs to mitigate risk at all levels. Uh, for That includes their residential protection, the corporate protection, um, their cyber security, which is a big thing now, especially in Australia in the last few weeks. Um, that holistic approach uh, to an individual that, that needs looking after. So we're not, we're not singly focused here. So it's been a big transition and I've had to learn a whole lot of new skills um, across the board and we bring in specialists uh, when we require them, but you need a basic understanding of, of everything, uh, which is totally different to the hard skills you learn when you're in the military and you're just another shooter in the team or the team lead. Right. Um, it, it's a lot different. Obviously here in Australia, we don't, um, we're not allowed to carry uh, firearms. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite strict. The firearms across the board, it's, it's, it's not really a big thing. It's really only the, the shooting community or, or the or the pistol competition uh, community. So uh, per capita, it's it's quite low. Um, so you have to come up with uh, different ways of mitigating risk because the the threats are still out there. Um, and it's you know your driving packages and and how you plan and execute uh, missions. If you're getting into the gunfight, you you failed your job as far as I'm concerned. Well, um, yeah, if you're yeah, done for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know. so. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what I found interesting, swapping out of the government space, because in the government, you do your thing. Like, you're assigned a role, you do your role. You can yeah. be amazing at it, but it's like one role. And, and the next job, you might get a different role, but, you know, your exposure to each thing or your input into each task is kind of limited to that role that you're given. Whereas yeah. here, and particularly <clears throat> that we, you know, run the show in, in, in our shop, the, the challenge is is fun to like, how many problems can I solve for my client this week? You know? and, yeah. and as Ryan alluded to, we've gone quite holistic to, to provide that suite of services. So we looked at what is it that the clients of EP require 
mm. and one of the similar services that we can get into. So whether it's TSCM sweeps, whether it's luxury ground transport, corporate air transport, yeah. you know, open source intelligence, whatever it is. So we've gone and said, okay, these are all things that either are part of or support the holistic EP package. Right. So let's go get those people in. Mm-hmm. And then we just found either experts or partner companies that we heavily vetted right. and, and made sure that we work on the same page with the same understanding, the same standards. Mm-hmm. But now we can just deliver that whole package rather than say, oh, I'm just your driver or I'm just your PSO this week or whatever it is. We're yeah. actually able to do that whole sort of remit. And, and I think that's what's exciting for us now is like you might not be the shooter anymore, but it's like, you know, the, the risk assessment comes up with, with 10 problems, how many of those can we work to solve? And, and yeah. I suppose uh, because our environment is safer uh, compared to America across the board, wow. um, we don't... Say it right now. You're just going to just come out and say it, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no big deal, whatever. I'm up here in LA not, trying not to get shot as we speak. It, <laughs> it's not that the risk isn't there. It's just not as in everyone's face as it as it is so yeah. people because they're not in australia aren't educated about the risk we they're almost naive uh, to them problem. so it is um and I, I see you talk about it all the time about an individual taking responsibility uh but in our environment we get caught in for crisis uh so whether it's a cyber attack on a company which mm. then inflames uh media tensions which yeah. then um you know, it could be pressure from the government that gives pressure to the mainstream media, which gives pressure to the trolls on social media, and then they start ta- attacking individuals. You know, the mm. threat uh, quickly jumps above the detection threshold and people go, hang on a second, we're not prepared for this because yeah, we haven't thought good, about yeah. it. What about- um, so, yeah, we, we get caught in, in them environments, in those yeah. environments where we have to build programs quickly across the board to make sure the person's safe or multiple people are safe if you're, if you're talking uh, about a corporation because you have, might have to quickly stand up an executive protection program uh, yeah. across the board uh, for that whole, whole corporation. Yeah, what do you, when you said people are kind of oblivious or feel safe um, with some of the other international guys I've spoken with and some of the things I've seen on details, does that present a problem with regards to the client appreciating your services or even thinking they need your services. Um, so I think they're like a client I think that's a, kind of thing you have to deal with. I think that's a global problem because I think like, yes, it may be exacerbated in our, in our climate, but I think clients who aren't sort of familiar with EP 24 seven, they don't have teams with them all the time. Yeah. They're, they act on emotion, right? So they get a threat, they're scared. Suddenly I don't care about money. I've got all the money in the world. Come, What they want is for you to make them feel safe. Yep. They don't really care about a risk matrix. They don't care mm-hmm. about all the stuff behind the scenes. They just want to know there's somebody behind me that is keeping me safe because that manages their emotional state, right? Yep. So where we have conflict, and I think this would be a global matter, is like, I can present a risk matrix that says, okay, you've had a threat, but we mitigate, like we've looked into it. Right. You know, there's no ability, means, or opportunity for that guy to carry out that threat because they're, you know, the other side of the country, they're not moving. It's a generic threat. Yeah. They're not really concerned about it, but they're scared. So we need a team right now. Yeah. 
Whereas you might go to that same client a month later and say, hey, look, we identified this threat through some OSED. We think it's pretty concerning because we've looked a bit deeper. You know, that particular target is, is a problem. We think, you know, for, for whatever reason there's an issue. If they're not scared, they don't care. Yeah. They don't want to pay that bill. And they're going, oh, no, I don't think it's an issue. I'm like, but we've got ABCD telling us this is a problem. Right. We think you need to step this up. But if their emotion's not there, they don't want to pay the bill. So right. it's that balancing act of like not letting the, the principle of the client's emotions dictate the product. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a battle that a lot a wise man once told me kind of when I was starting out in this game on the private side, which you know was kind of like who's responsible for your client's protection, you know, and as a, as a young Marine, you get put in a position and you're a protector. You're like, you know, I am, I'm gonna die before something happens here. You know, like I'm what I'm the protector, you know, but um, he's like, your 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 customer, your principal, your client. And I'm like, how do you figure they know nothing Yeah, you know, about what it is we do. And he's like, but who even creates the space for you to be here? Who is going to have the final say on, how safe you can keep them and how safe you can. They don't want you to follow. You're not going to follow if they don't want you to da, 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 da. And so, you know, I think one of the biggest struggles being on the private side is, um, you know, what, what uh, Max Joseph's called is like seatbelt security. You know, it's the being able to have your strategy and then actually being able to implement it or stomaching the fact that your client watched the bodyguard and, and they have their expertise, you know, that that ideal of security and the reality of what it looks like and trying to marry those, man. Um, and, and it might not just be the, the client. They may have a team around yeah. them that run their life. Yeah. Uh, and we spoke about it before. It's Royal if, court. If you don't have the um, emotional intelligence to interact with those people, yeah. From different walks of life, you know, different cultures, different lived experiences. Right. You know, one person may be an accountant, but they're the trusted individual that your client. Yeah. You need to be able to talk and communicate to that person so he understands what you're trying to do, and it's how yeah. you you sell that message is the difference between whether you're effective at your job. So if I can't explain to a novice, hey, why we're doing something and the benefits for them, uh, then they're not going to understand. So I always, and everyone goes, what, everyone always asks me, you know, friends and family, like, what's your job? Is it to protect people? And I say, that's half of my job. My job is to protect them so they can do their job. So if they're not performing in a crisis because they can't sleep because they're worried about their family at home, Mm -hmm. they're worried about traveling to and from work, you know, you implement secure transport. Yeah. You put a detail on their house and then you uh, travel with them. That gives them comfort, which brings their emotional state uh, back to normal. So then they can start thinking and performing and doing their job. Because if they don't survive the crisis, they're not going to be a client for much longer. Yes, they ain't going to have money. Yep. So, you know, and it's about performance of the individual. Yep. A singer is the same. If they can't get out, up and sing on stage you ain't getting paid so you know we always want to lock people in a room that's the safest place in the world but they need to achieve their mission so we're there to enable them and i think that's the biggest thing that 
new people and uh, to the industry or don't come from a, a very uh, well-rounded uh, military or police uh, background fail to understand. Right. Uh, yeah, they guys when they're transitioning, though, because, again, we look at it purely from a risk mitigation standpoint. Mm. So if you've got a high-profile celebrity that says, I want to go into the crowd and take selfies, yeah. by nature, we say no because we can't control the crew. We don't understand the crew. Yeah, you're going to go into an ocean of variables. This is the horrible idea, but it's a... I don't want to do that, but if we don't let that celebrity do that, they cease to be a celebrity. Right. And then they're like, well, that wasn't the point. The point was to get out and be amongst the fans and and have that interaction, and we have to find a way to facilitate that as safely as possible. Um, Now, whether that's getting a bunch of clear... Crowd, random crowd members and bring them into a controlled environment so that they can take selfies uh, and interact with, uh, you know, their clients, like the people right. that are, are paying their bills. Them, yeah. um, you know, there's different ways you can do it. So it's a thinking man's game yeah. um, to, to be in this industry. You, you need to think and, and change at the drop of a hat when your client goes, hey, we're not doing ABC anymore. We're doing X, Y, Z. And you're like, okay, yeah. think about that. Come up with a plan, decide, and act. And act, 100%. And be like a duck if you have to. Calm on the outside, those little feet. (laughs) You're getting it done, man. You're getting it done. Boom, if you've been enjoying the podcast, I want to encourage you to come and train with me. Train with us, the League of Executive Protection Specialists. We offer online courses so you can train and learn how to take your executive protection career to the next level from the comfort of your own home. Uh, We offer on-ground training on everything from the hard skills of driving, shooting, medical, um, and into the soft skills through the Executive Protection Immersion Course, which is one of the most experiential, learning-centric courses in the executive protection industry. Either way, I want you to become part of the golden standard in the private security industry and join the Brotherhood, the League of Executive Protection Specialists. Go to epspecialist.com and let's do our careers together. I'll see you there. Out. And the clients. And I think what, one yeah. more thing on the end of that is to recognize yeah. when it just doesn't work, right? So we yeah. recently quoted a job um, and I spoke to the, you know, through the client and I spoke to the principal at the end of the process and they had a, a reasonably active lifestyle, particularly, mm. particularly nightlife style. Okay. Um, and I sort of said, look, while we've got these active threats, that's going to have to be on hold for a couple of weeks. You know, we're, yeah. not, we're not going to go nightclubbing while there's active threats, Some particularly point. not to places that you regularly go to, that you check in on social media at. But, yeah. You know, it's, it's just, uh, and, and they said, oh, no, well, I'll still be doing that. I said, but like my job is to make you not get hurt. But part yeah. of that is telling you what we should and shouldn't do, not just, you know, stand around over your shoulder like a, a shadow and, and wait for punch on with every yeah, yeah. Like that's, <laughs> not, that's not how this works. I'm here to tell the way I keep you safe is to tell you not to do that. Yeah. You know, this guy wasn't having a bar of it. He's like, absolutely, I will live my life. That's what I'm paying you for. So we just walked away because it's not worth whatever the money was going to be. It's not mm-hmm. worth the reputational damage, the the risk to the operators on the ground that are now. Yeah. You know, blatantly having to face this stuff. Um, it's not worth a headache with a client that doesn't want to listen. And it's yep. not worth being on the on the, the nightly news at the end if you get that wrong mm-hmm. and he, and they do get hurt. Yeah. Well suddenly now, you know, the headline is 
bodyguard files or, or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. You're the leper of the industry. And that yeah. that stuff doesn't rub off easy. And and that kind of one of the principles, one of the guys that you know mentored me was like, look, man, not all money is good money. Not all these relationships are good relationships. And you know, fortunately, I cut my teeth walking through all the doors and then fight fought my way to a place. And there's advice for all you guys listening, you know, like in the beginning, I, you know, when you're coming up in the game. I say work, work as much as you can, but like your points rock solid. Nowadays, I'm looking for clients that I know that I can have a relationship with that'll actually allow me to do my job. So in the end, it's my responsibility. You know, if I sign that con, if we sign that contract, it's going to be my responsibility. So I- I'm going to take responsibility for it. So I agree with you 100% whenever possible, you know, I, I want to have those relationships with my principals and clients. And um, that's part of the job, 100%. And I think I've seen I've seen it go I've seen it yeah I've seen it go both ways man and I've gone with it both ways I've had you know I've been in other countries where my clients like I want to go eat here and I'm like you know I, I consult with my locals and they're like dude it's a horrible idea there's like might be a civil war there tonight <laughs> I'm like you know we you know madam sir we can't we really shouldn't go out here we we absolutely shouldn't it's not safe and they're like I want the full awful from from that plate and i'm like you know and we have to go with them you know but i respect it man i love that stuff that's the way it should be 100 percent. i suppose for the newer guys in the industry that are you know they start off bouncing around different teams and that yeah that and working for different people is like and you always want to be the dude that calls so you always answer the phone call um but you need to start looking at, at at your employer and going hey is he enabling me correctly do i want to work with this guy all the time or is he just throwing me in the deep end with no support no mentoring and that sort of stuff because he just needs an extra body um i would be saying to those newer guys i was like hey as an industry mentor maybe look at your boss is he treating you right as an individual is that the guy that you want to be or is there other people in the industry you're like hey i want to work with that guy because he actually cares about people and he sets me up for success instead of you know, throwing me a handball and, and, and watching me get knocked out. Yeah, 100%. And, and you see that the most with, like, the, the the climate trends, right? Like something kicks off in Central Africa, so suddenly every, you know. Everybody's getting on this detail. Everyone's just know, jumping like, up. Yeah. The rockets, Afghanistan, and Central Africa, obviously the last little while it's been the Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. And so it's like everybody's just going to the Ukraine and it's almost this attitude of, like, if you didn't go – like you're not well, cool. partner. Like who are you? you didn't, <laughs> yeah, like Ukraine. Yeah. But we're all there. But then yeah. you look at some of the people that are there, both as operators and, and providers of operators. Right. And I think, like, what qualifies you to be there? Yeah. Like you have no experience in hostile stuff. You have no like groundwork done to be there. So you know, well, the operator, the client's going to have a false sense of security now because they've got this. This guy that the client doesn't know any better. Yeah, he looks the part, sweet mm-hmm. he's all dressed, he's all he's got a background, you know, all the gear and no idea. Like, yep, the client doesn't know. So, so there's a risk there. And then there's providers that are just sending dudes over there because, hey, I committed to a contract, I'm getting paid a fortune <laughs> for each guy. So yeah. I'll send 30 guys without even checking what their, their capabilities are. Right. And you're just setting them up to fail, like this ambulance chasing attitude of let's just jump on the back of the next crisis. Yeah. Like if you're not, you know, we've got to be like put our egos away a little bit and be honest. And you know, like travel is a massive part of what we do. 
Mm-hmm. And obviously, a lot of the time you're traveling to <clears throat> places you wouldn't choose to go to because right. people don't necessarily need EP in, in the south of France and you know, in all the awesome places that we want to go. They need them in the developing countries and the you know, the, the countries that have more risk. Um, but that means like we have to be more targeted about who, who we're sending and what we're doing when we get there. Because I wouldn't just put my hand up and say, hey, yeah, I'll go to Peru. I've never been to Peru. I don't understand the climate, the security scope in Peru. Like, what value am I going to add? Mm-hmm. At least on my own. Like, I can't <clears throat> I can't help you there. So to say that I will is endangering me. It's endangering my client. <clears throat> no, that's and, that, that's and that's why we build relationships overseas uh, uh, with people like yourself and that sort of stuff because they, for us, the value of a security company overseas is their network into their region. So, right. um, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, companies in America that have uh, reached down in, into Mexico through their network. You right. can't be the guy that knows everyone around the world. You know, you know, it's the old thing on social media. You probably only have, you know, 50 people max that you actually communicate with all year. Warm contacts. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you may have two, three uh, thousand, but you're not chatting to those people every day, um, right. you know, or every month. So, you know, it's those localized connections and having good established uh, companies in a regional area uh, that know other companies that they trust, because we all work on trust here. And nine times out of 10, it's a personal connection, whether it's two or three down the chain. It's like, I trust that guy and that guy trusts trust him and we've all worked together in some capacity uh we actually understand that's where the value comes from from these sort of companies um not just hey i'm going to take a job in antarctica because Mm -hmm. it's close to australia yeah because it's cool people do people like hey i've got this contract i'll i'll sub it subcontract it out three or four times to Mm -hmm. someone i don't even know or trust or even heard of before and you're like I think I just wouldn't. I wouldn't put that to my clients. I wouldn't do that to them. That's not not the sort of person I am. So. Yeah, no, fortunately, man. But that's there's a lot of that going on in the industry, especially when it comes to just putting guys on accounts with backgrounds. Like I run an in-doc for my company. Guys coming in, you got to pass. If you're going to carry a firearm on duty, working for my company, you got to understand your capabilities. I know, I know, you're a Navy SEAL. I know, I know, but. But I've got to at least know what you can do today, right? Um, you know, and and unfortunately, what I always see, and this is why with my school, with the league, I started out in the hard skills intensives because I would get these dudes and I they'd be awesome on paper. And they would even have already been with high-end A-list celebrities out on the road doing things. But then we get to the hard skills assessment to get on the team and we're not passing local law enforcement shooting calls and we're we don't know how to put a tourniquet on you know and like you know that for me the is basics. Like, dude i can teach you how to do it in five minutes but i gotta know you don't know how to do it either you know what i mean like i at least gotta know you don't know how to do it so there's a lot and i know here in the u.s for sure there's a lot of dudes that sign a dotted line and wake up on post and are next to a client and are expected or looked at as extremely competent because maybe they went to Iraq or they have whatever this background is. And, you know, I just commend, I want to commend and I also want to encourage professionals. I hope that the industry of tomorrow is one where agents are training themselves to perform above the level, at least of local law enforcement, because we are private. So 
when they look at us, they think we want to be cops and we're, you know, not as legit as they are. And so, you know, I keep my teams calling uh, once every quarter and doing refreshers on medical once every quarter. So when you lift up our skirt, you see, hey, you know, these guys are at least legitimately acting like professionals at a higher level than what our local municipalities are doing. And um, I just want the industry to, to really look at that because as a company owner, these guys are out there with the uh, spectacle of possibly utilizing force on a really bad day in your name, like with no SOPs on how to do it or what to do and an and understanding of these things. I think a lot of the industry has been fly by night and we really need to change that so we don't get embarrassed. And, and we put too much focus on that background thing because like how long do yep. you write off that? Like, oh, I did four <laughs> years military 22 years ago. Right. Like, <laughs> it was like, like it, in, in my career, like, you know, I'll, I'll mention my resume at some point, but, oh, that's interesting. Tell me about that. I'm like, that's not the bit I care about. That, yeah. that bit was a long time ago. I've done so much since then in personal and professional development. development. But, yeah, that was a cool foundation. <laughs> it was a good, like, you know, it was a good education piece. It gave me that foundation to push from. Yes, it was some solid training early in life that I, yeah. you know, like sort of expedited my broad understanding. But I'm not relying on skills that I learned 17 years ago right. to, to hold weight now. But yet dudes will say that, oh, Special Forces 25 years ago. Like, okay. Cool, man. I mean, I respect what have you, Respect Yeah, it. man. But, but what have you done since? And, and yeah. where are we at with that? And the other side of that is, we all know in, in government service, you've got like how much support. There's always, you can call in an airstrike. Like I want an airstrike, you will get 400 dudes come, you will get- Millions of dollars of support. Like whatever you need, somebody's coming to help you. But us, it's like, I am, It's this is it. I am here on my own. Maybe I've got another guy, yeah. if I'm lucky. Maybe. You know, yeah. Like the fact that you operated as part of a massive team, that's awesome. They're all transferable skills, but I'm not going to rely on you telling me you're in the police or the military or whatever. Right. And as you say, like, you know, it, it's it, there are a lot of people in the industry that are here to go into police or military. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that were police or military that are now here. But as you say, like, I've got no desire to go back to that life. That's not, and, and you're right, like, the, the attitude is, oh, you're just a security guard. Don't, you know, I'm, I'm a cop, but like, man, you don't know anything. You just turn up, pull your notebook out, write down my license detail. <laughs> right. like, when's, yeah, when's the last time, you know, I'll show those skills. What's the scene like for EP down there in Australia? Is there a lot of activity, a lot of work? Are you guys like my buddy over in like, um, in Germany, he was talking about how the, um, you know, the, the kind of the local populace doesn't really see a need for EP. So he does more security driving as uh, which is really the way that he packages executive protection. What's it look like down there? Are you doing more in the South Pacific? Is that scene kind of more where the action is, you know, for all of our listeners, what's it like down there, man? <laughs> I, I would suppose that there's, it's probably across the country. There's only five companies mm-hmm. that do it in any way, shape or form well and do it as their sort of bread and butter. Good. There's a lot of individuals that that work security in whatever capacity to pay their mortgage. Right. right? And then but they'll get called once or twice a year for one particular client because that client knows them somehow along the way. And yeah. that guy's been 
that's his person. He goes, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call Johnny. Johnny's going to do my EP for that week. Um, And, you know, there's a few people that bounce around as private contractors and work for all four or four, five of those companies and, you know, other companies just to pay the mortgage because they like the excitement and their lifestyle, um, you know, they may be single or um, their lifestyle prevents, uh, allows them uh, to do that sort of stuff. So, but, you know, there is a growing need uh, for executive protection in Australia. I don't think people understand it completely. And a lot of our piece and what we do as a company and what we're known for is writing executive protection strategies uh, and developing programs for people from scratch. So they'll have an in-house security manager for a corporation um, and they'll go, hey, I've been directed to do this, but I have no idea where to start. So we come in, we write the policy for them, and it's usually on an on-call basis. Uh, and that's everything from the cybersecurity protection uh, for the executives. So it's separated uh, from the corporation so that they can talk securely between themselves. And we have a few products uh, that we use for that. It's nice. the driving, the vetted driving companies uh, mm-hmm. that we use. Are they a chauffeur company mm-hmm. or do they do security driving? Our driver company we use, they've got defibrillators and first aid kits in the majority of their cars. So nice. we worked with this, this company. He saw an opportunity. We saw an opportunity for him, and yeah. his business has gone threefold because of it um, okay. in the last couple of years. Because people want difference. Uh, it's not always about price. It's like, what do they do better? So nice. we hold. We come in and we sit usually between an in-house security team and their major security provider, mm. uh, and do a holistic uh, package from residential security develop everything, um, you know, help out with the corporation, help out with the transport, help out with the HR department because one of the rising things at the moment is uh, disgruntled workers. Um, So they're suing their companies and we have a law in Australia, you have to do everything reasonably possible to protect and give a safe working environment to your your staff. Um, So we're being pulled in uh, for those sort of jobs. And it could be the little old admin girl gets an EP uh, team for an extended period of time, you know, a lot of family breakups where they've gone into legal disputes um, for for law firms and they bring us in Hmm. just to do the handover between mum and dad because they can't be trusted. They want someone, they want a professional so that, you know, mum can't say something bad bad about dad and dad can't say something bad about mum. Because we come from a law enforcement or military background, we know how to write reports for police. Right. Uh, so we de-escalate that whole situation before it starts. Now, right. it sounds weird, but that's a that's an opening and growth in the market. And yeah. you know, why not jump in there and and be different? I think yeah. some of those times, though, those like witness protection jobs are actually the most satisfying because. Mm. You know, when a, a corporation that you've never heard of says, come look after this executive that you've never heard of right. because we've got an ego, like, oh, good, we'll do the job. But when there's genuinely a victim that, you know, particularly if it's like, you know, a single mother with kids or something like that, that's genuinely Gosh. an active threat. Yeah. It's a lot more satisfying to work in that space, I think, because you genuinely kind of care about the outcome as opposed to just, you know, we're, we're just going through the motions on this detail. It's super low risk. 
Yeah, you know, let's make this guy look good. And, and, and that, that client genuinely cares about you yeah. and, and is thankful uh, for what you do for them. Yeah. Because, Very true. you know, so there's a, that's selfish of me that I like to get gratitude, but we're, we're all humans. Yeah. That's what we all seek. Right. Um, so it's like sometimes I choose what's going to be better for the individual opposed to, hey, you know what, I've worked for that client before. And he made my life difficult, so I'm going to say no now because he doesn't listen to me, for starters. Yeah. Uh, he can go to company B. I, that doesn't bother yeah. me. But I'm in a position where I can do that now, which is which is for, uh, fortunate. Well, we, we had an interesting experience because of COVID because we got locked down for so long. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, man. What was that like? Oh, it was insane, mate. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where I live, man, it was like... It was over a year combined of like not being able to leave your house more than three miles at all for any reason other than like a hospital trip. It's hard to believe it really happened. Oh, it's not leave your house though. for three miles oh, in okay. like three weeks. You have to wear a mask outside to walk your dog, which you can only do for one hour a day. Like just uh, shit, right? Just <laughs> shit. Well, my state was the different. It was like. They didn't really care. It's but like, then we couldn't yeah. get between the states. We couldn't get overseas. Like they closed domestic borders. They closed international borders. It was just. It was so you were just. Right. If you lived in a place that was, you know, whack, you were just stuck there. You so couldn't, I couldn't get like Ryan's in Sydney, and I lived in Melbourne. Like we couldn't yeah. see each other for over a year because yeah. the border was hard shut, and they made exemptions. Like if you're a beekeeper, yeah. you can cross the border with your bees. But like, there's no Joker story where some <laughs> dude had to. Like he he had a farm where the border went through his farm, and he yeah. wasn't allowed to bring sheep across the border, like from one paddock to another. Like it was it was a metal. But what it kind of did for us was actually positive because we, like I mean, business had a massive downturn. We lost like okay. the first month when the borders shut. It was just cancel, cancel, cancel. We're getting these emails like every job was cancelled. We're looking at like a million bucks just gone down the drain. Oh man! We're like, oh, how do we manage this? So we, we kind of panicked and got drunk for a couple of days, and then we went, oh, okay. And we thought we're crisis managers. Right. Other people now we're in crisis. Now we're yeah, just, now we're gonna get to work. Let's just do that, right? So we sobered up, and then we're like, okay, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. So we, we we sort of transitioned, and for us, I think you know, Ryan mentioned that might be five companies down this way prior that were sort of in the EP space. We're genuinely the only ones that stuck to our guns and didn't go into any other form of security. We don't do manpower security. We don't do nightclubs. We don't do like static guarding, whatever. We never have. We never yeah. will. It's not, you know, the, the only time we come close to it is if it's in support of a bigger task. Bigger measure. You know, like security at a hotel or at a mm-hmm. corporate event or whatever, AGMs, that sort of thing, all good. Yeah. But we're not that labor hire provider. We've never wanted to be in that space, Um, mainly because we just want to control the quality at that super high level. And it bores me. Yeah, it's just not something we're interested in anymore. But it it sort of was an interesting reset for us because everybody else in the industry that plays in this space kind of just went, oh, that doesn't exist. Let's just move over to the sides of the industry that that are still making the money. Yeah. and sort of bastardized their product while doing it. So oh, we man. actually kind of came out, you know, we just skeletoned right down. We just dropped down to absolutely 
their capacity through that period and we got through it and it was tough but now we're like man we're up like a thousand percent on pre-COVID this year so you know like and some big headline stuff like you know we looked after we had the 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 fortune of dealing with the Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open thing you know like we've we've been through some pretty big crisis tasks this year um yeah you know and, and come out flying and I think we Obviously, the more you do it, the better you are at it. And 100%. the more we have of it, the more people we get in with us. You know, mm-hmm. so now we've got a bigger team, we've got bigger capability, we've got better experience. We're awesome. like immersed in that space now. So, yeah. you know, so, we went, yeah. I suppose the thing that differs from us a lot uh, to other companies is you may have really good consultants that, that write all the reports, but they don't have an operational arm. Um, and then you have good operational companies, but they don't have a consulting arm. We sit in between, again, because we saw an opportunity in the market. We are excellent operators and we're good consultants. Yeah. Uh, so we can go across the spectrum. So we get put in uh, quite a lot where other consultants is like, hey, we've got this problem. We've got this mad solution. And Josh would be like, you can't do that because you don't understand the labor market. So. Yeah. You know, you go into an AGM and you're expecting the guards to do A, B, and C, and he goes, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, because that dude is doing 18 hours a day and he's bouncing about three different jobs just to make ends meet because right. he's got a large family that he needs to feed. So that guy, that personal guard isn't going to be operating at, at the capacity. So you need to mitigate th- those risks inside yeah. your program um, and do things in a different way and unless you understand the operational side and consulting, you can't do that. Um, and that's where we've seen a lot of success for, for us. And most consultants feel like they're above that process. Like, I'm not going to go talk to the security guards down at the door. That's that's like, really? why would I go interact with them? You know, there's this uh, I, I sit up in the in the office. I don't go down and talk to that security really? guard. Oh, you know? And like, if you don't do that, like, one, you're just a dick, but two... <laughs> How do you understand the product and like how do you know what their capabilities are and 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 you know little things like you know are, are they like if they're underperforming is it because they're understaffed and, you know don't get lunch breaks and don't feel stimulated aren't getting training aren't understanding why they're there don't recognize right. the risk they're there to mitigate like there's a million reasons why somebody underperforms right and and we've found like by making everybody. No matter how, like, we all get crap details, right? We've all done it at some point in time. We've all been the dude on the furthest door that's just there for the last, you know, the redundancy, (laughs) the redundancy, redundancy, and you get there and you're like, oh, today sucks, I want to do something. I got to do this for the next, yeah. Right, but we've all been there, we've all done it. But, you know, I think if you just, everybody needs to understand and, and leaders need to understand that they need to make the worker understand yeah, why that job is important because they're always important. There's always a reason you're there. 100%. And I think uh, new guys to our company or or subcontractors we bring in to do a a specific task uh, are quite shocked when me, the owner of the company, will sit in the car with them at at night and just go, hey, I'm just going to do three hours with you um, at midnight. Because, you know, one, I'm mentoring him, I'm checking on him, I'm, I'm... I may teach him something in those three hours that no one in his last three years have, has bothered to pass on. That guy's going to be better for it. So I see value in that for my product. 
Yeah, so I'm willing like to invest work. time in people because yeah. at the end of the day, our people are our product. So right. if you don't have good people and willing to invest time in them, um, you're not going to have a product for much for, for long. You may have a, a good company for a few years, but it's not going to be sustainable because right. uh, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul uh, yeah, sort of thing. So, and you know, it's those people that you you turn up and invest in a little time. It doesn't even have to be that much. The stuff I'm, I'm teaching him is not, you know, some black art that I developed. It's my own IP. It's information that just got passed down to me. So I'm passing on to the, the next generation. 100%. That person will always answer my phone call. When I'm like, oh, man, yeah. I'm struggling. I need someone because they've yeah. scaled up the detail twofold. Right. Um, I put a few calls. The dudes are like, yeah, I'll burn my old boss. I'll come work for you. The yeah. Day. <laughs> yeah, They'll do that for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes I have to tell them, hey, don't do that. Like, no, about, it's, crazy, it's a yeah. long-term game. Yeah. Uh, but next time I'll give you a call. Like, I appreciate you you wanting to do that. Um, but if you're a dickhead, people aren't going to answer your phone calls and you're not going to have a team for much longer. So you need to be a, a good person that people want to work for, uh, mm-hmm. want to be led by, uh, so you can have that that good sustainable product for, you know, years to come. 100%. Uh, standards down there. Do you guys have, you know, what's the licensing and the standard of the average uh, agent working down there? What's that look like? What kind of, what, and then what level of training? Like, what's the standard that they need? And then are you seeing guys doing any uh, additional training to be better? We um, have the worst balance of both because yeah. the government will, t- so first of all, we have yeah, states and, and territories in Australia, right? So each one of them's got different licensing. And so to operate nationally, you have to have a license in every single state or territory individually that all costs money. And all have terrible. It's terrible. So you so get, like, it you costs us like $80,000 a year just to yeah. be able to work across the country because you have to have cards in every single place, right? $18,000 a year? 80, 80. Like it, it's a you need a company license. You need individual licenses. And then they have categories of like prayer control, static guarding, bodyguarding, dogs, like consulting, canine, yeah. cameras. Like they've all got different things and they all cost more. So every little box you tick. Wow. <laughs> That's worse than I thought, man. Ridiculous, man. But then to make it worse, right? So if you want to enter the industry from nothing, you have to do to just be a baseline security guard. Like I think the guard card you have in California, right? Yeah, like that super bad. level. Yeah. That is a 17-day course that costs like three thousand dollars, right? I'm gonna say two to three. Wow, you're getting educated. Is the course worth it dang? Like is no, it? No, it's total <laughs> shit. So this is the point, right? You've got to give up 17 days and three thousand dollars to do nothing, and at the end of it. The one exam they have at the end that for the whole time, they're like, if you fail this exam, they just give you the answers at the end. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, like, it's a complete waste of time. People come out of there with no, like, nothing. It's no useless. value. So it just drains your life, drains your time, drains your money, and gives you nothing. Then, if you want to be, like, a specialist, so close protection, canine, investigations, whatever, you've got to go do another two-week course for another $2,000 which is equally a shit, and then there's like four levels. So the problem is you can be the most qualified guy in the country 
okay. with like 17 certificates and all these tick boxes and look at all this stuff. You've never worked a day in your life anywhere near the industry, no experience whatsoever. But like if you're unemployable and you go see a job placement agency, like a recruitment firm, yeah, and they might go, man, I cannot find you a job. You are unemployable. You can't even put your pants on in the morning. But we'll pay for you to go do the security course. And then that guy will go do the course and they'll give him the answers and he'll tick the boxes and then he'll come out and be in the industry. And you can't filter because everybody's got all these calls. So, like, you will have the bodyguard, you will have the investigator, you will have, like, dudes with canine certifications that have never even seen a dog. dog. Like, so so vetting that is, like, but we all have to go through it. There's no choice. you yeah. have to go through it and embarrass yourself for like the whole period and just sitting just there like a child and just get know, and just take the lashes just like just suicidal in the classroom for three weeks oh, over this oh, shit that's brutal. and then you can't vet kind of everybody in the industry so it's like you know our recruitment process is long it's like and it's not targeted it's where no. you're about a good guy Let's go have a coffee with the guy. Let's reach out on LinkedIn. Let's start some conversations. Let's slowly over time. Let's watch his social media for six months and yeah, and see what he says. That's you it. know, yeah. Uh, but in terms of advanced training, the problem here is there's no courses here in, in mm. anything advanced, really. Um, so the issue with that is we've either got to spend a fortune going to the states or going to South Africa or going yeah. to the places you know, go to Europe, which for us is like. You know, it's seven, eight hour flight to get over to just LA and you've got to find a place, you've got to stay, you've got to pay for the training, you've got to do whatever. It's a big deal. Um, we provide then, housing. Just, we provide housing at my, at my school. <laughs> I yeah, shameless but, plug, my podcast. Yeah. Get into it, man. We'll plug it. <laughs> oh, man, that's what's up. Anyway, so, go ahead. So, like, that's all there. It's a big factor, you know. So, we know some guys at the moment that are doing the right thing. They transition out of the military. They're heading over to America to do Trojan courses or, or South yeah. Africa to do Ronin courses, all, all the ones we've heard of, you know, people get out and do it, but then you come back and then there's not that much work. So you've just invested $10,000 in going to do all that. But at the end of the day, right now, if Ryan or I don't want to employ the guy, he just did all that for nothing. because <laughs> like, And he's got like, would you say like maybe five companies tops that he's- uh, yeah. Max, there's probably like two now. So it's Thanks. like pretty much if we don't want you and the one other guy doesn't want you, you Be- just wasted your money. Because the market is broken up into those individual people that mm. have the contract from way back when, yeah. uh, and they'll just do that one contract once a year uh, yeah. when that person yeah. flies in or, or, or whatever. So it's like it's obviously decentralized, and, and he'll just build a team around him of the people he knows. So unless yeah. you – you get on the surf and you start bouncing around for a whole bunch of people. You, you, it's very hard to pay the mortgage, right? And 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 find that that company that will 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 um provide those will accept, yeah provide those opportunities. What we find a lot of time is when I, you know, I'll go around and I'll be at a venue, someone else's house, and I'll see a guard that's performing. Yep. I'll tap that guy on the shoulder. I was like, man, have you thought about this? Have you thought about doing some uh, consulting, he may be a venue manager somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then when a detail comes up, I might give him a call. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna give you a shot. Come, come, come try out. And that's what I said. I, I spent some time with him. Um, yeah. or we'll, we'll chat to him over six months before uh an opportunity for where both our uh 
you know, schedules line up yeah. that that he that he can work. But it's the dudes that put in the time and the effort in educating themselves that usually get the follow-on phone calls. It's like, hey, guys, I've done this, 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 and I'm looking to do X, Y, Z as well uh, in the future. I'd love to, you know, spend some time with you and and mm-hmm. pick your brain. And we're, me and Josh are very open in the industry, like yeah. especially me with uh, being a vet. Anyone that wants to transition, my my people just call me, and I'm I'm happy to take or find me on LinkedIn. Happy to educate people. Um, I had a friend. Uh, he reached out. Well, he's a friend now, but he wasn't. He he was in the Victorian police. He yeah. reached out. He's moving to uh, the UK. We started uh, chatting to him. I was like, Hey, man, these are the things you need to do. These are the sort of people you need to talk to over there. You need yeah. to involve yourself in the industry and be a contributor. Uh, that's how you get known. You know, you can't just not talk. You you need to interact with uh, people. And social media allows you to do that now. It allows yeah. you to reach out to the Ryan Tindles, the Joshuas of the world um, mm-hmm. on the uh, other side of the planet and and have those communi- um, you know, those lines of communication. I think people feel too shy sometimes as well, like particularly if you're just starting out. And like you see the names around, you know, the Byron Rogers, the Christian West, the, the Aaron Bolden, and they're like, oh, I can't talk to that guy. Yeah. Look, do it. Just do yeah. it. Because yeah. if I look at your LinkedIn and see that you've contributed to conversations in, in public threads and comments, if, you know, if I'm watching a, a podcast and I see the comments come up from that guy over and over and I go, man, they're intelligent comments or they're useful questions. Yeah, that seems to get it. Yep. then I'm going to reach out to that guy or girl and go, hey, would you like to have a conversation at some point? Yep, you know? 100%, man. And that's one of the things I try, I teach all the time, the digital networking part of it. You now have the ability to get in front of decision makers on a daily, almost daily basis by making valuable, intelligent, well-thought-out contributions on a platform like LinkedIn. You get your stuff together and you... You keep contributing, you know, and don't try to sound smart. There's a whole class about how to do it and not make yourself. You you can just as quickly slit your own throat, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You can just as quickly slit your own throat. But um, and now's the perfect time, I think, to bring up the, the LinkedIn the, post from To carry. Yeah. What I, I actually didn't see the post, but I've been hearing about it. So what this what, was what, my favorite the, thing. Like of give us, give us the, the whole like what was the post? Was it a guy? One guy said carry bags. One guy it, said, it was, what do we got? I think it was on Aaron Molden's LinkedIn and he just posted something like, you know, do what you got to do. Like it was a pretty simple concept. It was just like, yeah. do what needs to be done, you know? Mm-hmm. And and some cowboy jumped on there and was like, I don't carry <laughs> bags. I need my master hand free at all times to mitigate <laughs> my five o'clock, whatever bullshit he came up with, you know? Yeah. And then so it started this thing that, like, I saw it on day one when I had, like, six comments. Yeah. And I kind of put that in the, oh, I feel like I want to comment, but I don't want to get engaged with these idiots because it seems it's like it's already going like I have, I'm going to save my energy for something else, <laughs> you know. And then I saw it like a week later, it's come back to my thread and it was like yeah. 800 comments and it was just blown up. And it kind of sat like a 50-50 thing of half the crew going, oh, like if there's no reason not to, then do what you're told or do what's helpful or just right. you know, be busy, like be active. If, if you can carry a bag, carry a bag. If you can hold the door, whatever it is, yeah. the other dudes were like adamant. Absolutely not. Yeah. I'm not paid. I'm not. I'm not a servant. You know, whatever. And it was like, it was hectic to see this, this thing. And like, I've got my opinion, right? 
yeah, I don't yeah. really care whether people think I'm right or wrong. Like I'll operate how I operate, you do yep. you. That's yep. all good. But if like, you see an article of me getting shot because I was carrying a bag, fine. You win. Dude, yeah, I'll, I'll wear that, right? <laughs> you win. Like, I, I fall on the side of if there's no reason not to, to do something, if you can mm-hmm. add value to your client, do it. You know? 100%. Obviously, if you're walking through a massive crowd of hostile people, yeah. now's not the time to carry the bag. But right. if you're just going up to the elevator in the hotel, do what you do. And like, yeah. it's not that hard. That's throw it in your left it. hand. Throw it in your left hand if, if you're worried about Whatever, it. Whatever. Right? Yeah, then you can <laughs> find yourself in the mirror. You know? and, and I, I, I think a lot of people, right. um, and I see it all the time, um, a lot of people in the military and police, uh, they're taught, they're taught an action, yeah, right, and they don't fully understand why they do that. Now, sometimes in the military is bad for it, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Over time, they forgot the initial reason why we did something, right? Because uh, it's been lost over over a generation. The dark so, one. Yeah, and so you've got to actually sit down and think: is like, why am I doing that? Is there a benefit? What's the cause? What's cause and effect either side? Uh, and understand the understand the risk. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if the car doesn't pull up exactly on on the X, is that going to contribute? You know, a thousandfold to the risk profile uh, turning up? Probably not. It's probably going to take an extra step. Now, it's not ideal, but I don't think it's. You know, I'm going to have a Twitter war over over that. And, and the interesting thing about it. that, without even having the argument ourselves, the right. best part about that was like polarizing for me to see this split of like yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, and and nobody was on the fence. Everyone was hard out for their whichever way they went, right? Yeah, and it was cool to see because I looked through that and just found a hundred dudes I'll never hire, no matter what. Like, yep, just off yep. that thread, either because of the ridiculous crap they came up with on their comments, in my opinion, ridiculous crap, or the way they spoke to people. Like, you can have an argument or a debate and put a, a reasonable conversation up. And be respectful. Pro or against. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you and me, if we disagree on this, we can have a conversation about the pros and cons and, yep. and, and come to a conclusion. But dudes were just slaying each other, like... You know, That's absolutely it. destroying each other over this. And I thought, you are unemployable if you are based on a LinkedIn post that you doesn't just, even impact you. You just blow your The second I see one of my DMs, I'm going back to that post and I'm just going to post it on you right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and know? it's so easy to do these days. Oh, it is, like, stuff lives It's like, hey, I'm just going to jump on and... Uh, and just check up on this guy this guy's temperament is no i i agree with you 100 personally you know i'm on the side of private security man seatbelt security if my principal client customer asks me to do something simple that doesn't lower make us vulnerable at a time when we need to not be vulnerable we are a i am a service this is a service related industry i am here to keep them to steal as's tagline safe productive and happy as i can and it helps me gain equity. Now, obviously, there's mission creep, like trying to get you to walk the dogs and stuff. You got to fight those wars. But, you know, yeah, I'll help them with the bags nine times out of 10. And if I don't, I have a really good reason. And I want that person to feel comfortable enough to have me close to them when and if something happens. And sometimes, yeah, I got to Sometimes I even got to put a car seat in before we leave the house. And you know what? 
my guys, we're happy to do it because we are here literally. And that's one of the one of the courses I talk about is understanding, managing your expectations. You're here to serve these people. That's what we are here to do. Warriors have been servants since the, since the beginning of time. Samurai means to serve. Like this is a high, this is a respectable act of service that you honestly must train to be able to do well. But as a warrior in this uh, mission set, we're here to serve. And so um, we do all those things as long as they don't get in the way of our primary objective, you know, with a good attitude. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, put, I'll put this one there. If you're yeah. always saying no to your client, right? No, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. No, your I can't do that. Your is going in the toilet and the company's survivability yes. is going in the they're toilet. Not, they're not going to listen to you when you need them yeah. to listen to you. So, you know, I say a couple of things to my client before I start a job. Yeah. Um, Manage expectations. Yeah. And it's like, if I physically put my hand on you in a certain way yeah. or, or I call you by a certain uh, name, which mm-hmm. is different to normal, that yeah. means I'm, I mean business, right? Yeah. You were to listen to what I'm saying, but you can't do that every day. It's like, hey, I can't be like right on your left shoulder walking behind every day because that person, one, they're not going to hire you anymore. They're going to go, go away. You're annoying me. So you need, you need to protect that person at at all times. So doing stuff that helps that person out when there's no threat is okay. You know, because when you go, Hey, no, you can't go to that nightclub for these reasons. Yeah. They go, okay, he's serious. Okay. Yeah. And there's also the difference between running a, a an all day detail for a client that's just got appointment after appointment, and it's full limousines and it's full, you know, three man team, whatever, all good, right? Right, right. But like we've got a client that's a twenty four seven client that's very low likelihood of a problem, mm-hmm. but extreme consequence if a problem occurs, right? So like super low profile, almost no likelihood of a risk eventuating. But if it did, like international problem, yeah. like an international problem, right? And it'll probably so, be a sophisticated attack at that level as well. It wouldn't right, be yeah. like just a bomb turns around and, you know, yeah. Or it could just be that random mitigating, like, so So we do everything with this client. We we drive them, we PSO mm-hmm. them, we do residential security, whatever, whatever. But it's like shifting between the gears in a 24-hour period. Hundred percent. Because you might go to like a restaurant in a bad neighborhood where there's just like junkies everywhere and, and right. like homeless people and mentally ill people everywhere. So right. there is that chance of just random violence attack or random occurrence violence. Or embarrassment or um, yeah, right. Like just that awkwardness of oh, there's a, a weird guy yelling at me in the street trying to throw right. cats at me. That's a problem. Like, so we we're gonna move on. Right. Or there's the targeted attack, but. You know, you you go for a walk on the beach in the morning, then you're sitting around the house in the afternoon, then you're going to go to the gym in the evening. Like You've got to be able to transition through those roles. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is taking the the butler out to just get some food or whatever it is that they need. Like, you've got to find a way. And when you're driving and, and shadowing, like, you can't always park the car in a garage a kilometre away and then make them walk the whole way in the rain. You're going to have to do a drop, then go park the car, then catch up. Catching up might be difficult because you can't find them now. They're not communicating, they're not answering the phone, whatever. All these things are going to happen. 
Yep. And we have to be able to be dynamic and do the dynamic risk assessment again. You know what? I'm not really supposed to leave them alone, but it's going to be six minutes. I've had a look around. I don't think there's any obvious threat. I'm going to have to take a chance. Essentially, I'm going to have to wake up, you know. And I think especially if you're working solo and managing expectations with the client or the customer in the beginning so they understand the level of protection you can actually provide with one human is huge. But then also like when you are, you know, working solo and you're weighing these things in private security, if you're not like in a state department or a government entity where you have this authority in the private sector, you don't have that authority. So you not carrying that bag or getting that door or whatever it is they want you to do could literally be the thing that loses your company, the account. And you don't, you don't, you, we, we want that authority, but that authority comes with rapport. That authority comes with trust and respect. And so, especially when I talk about molding the relationship with my customers and clients, it comes with me showing them that, you know, I'm the type of guy that you do want to have around. I, I, I bring the environment down to a comfortable level. I walk in with you, like my clients, you know, like sometimes when I make content, I think to myself, like, should I put a suit on just so that these guys, so I look more of the part? No, because my client, the families that we take care of, they literally are like, if you wear a suit, we're going to fire you. We want you to look like a dude. Okay. Look like a dude. I don't want. Look like your environment you're in. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're like, I don't want a hundred people looking at me when you walk in. Like, you know, if they look at you because you're like a decent sized guy and you got a couple tattoos, cool. But like, I don't want them to see an earpiece and a suit and all this stuff. And like, everyone wants to know who I am now because you're all of a sudden walked in a, a room with me and I'm like, thank you. Thank God. <laughs> you know, cause we've had the other types too, but you know, that's the game in private security. You have to gain rapport with these people fit into their life. That's why, you know, my company emblem is uh, uh, like a one integer on a periodic chart because I am one component on the periodic chart of this person's life that has to work. I've got to work with the gardeners, the drivers, the house staff, we have to fit into that world. And it's not about us. So I agree hundred percent, man, with everything you guys are doing. You're dropping some solid knowledge here. Um, and I, 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 into the game with ideas that don't serve. I think, I think <laughs> understanding know? risk as well. Like you said, yeah. if yeah. you're wearing a suit when everyone's in, you know, casual attire and yeah. you walk into a restaurant, maybe they didn't <laughs> know who that person was. You've elevated You've become above the detection threshold. Someone's yeah. gone, oh, wait, that's a bodyguard. Who's that person? Yep. You know what? I hate that person. Yeah. So now I'm going to do something because I've had a few wines at the restaurant. Yep. You know, and it's my chance to interact with that person yep. because I'm drunk. That could there be a potential risk. 100 so, like, then paparazzi's outside and then you can't get back to the vehicle and then people that don't even know who your client is want selfies because now we live in the selfie and then once one person wants a selfie now you got a line of people in starbucks that want selfies and it just gets horrible like it's it snowballs it and you know sometimes our industry causes those problems yep you know when i don't look like a typical bodyguard and i can blend into any environment because i'm a chameleon that's the way i want to be whether it's in the corporate space, I'm um, hanging out at the park with mm-hmm. uh, the family and the kids, yep. or you know, where I'm at a casual barbecue with friends. People yeah. don't go, oh, "Is that your bodyguard?" It's like, "Oh no, that's Ryan. He's yeah. he's just hanging out with us for the day." You know, he's 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 just flowing in. He's hanging with the family for for a few days. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think it all comes down to ego, man. Like, 
if we've got a saying for us, like say you're getting a daily rate, right? So mm-hmm. you're not on by the hour, you're on a daily rate. And there's a two-hour window where the client's gone to dinner. Okay, yeah, you're going to eat, you're going to hit the restrooms, you're going to freshen up, you're going to do what you need to do for your admin. All good, there's time there to do that. Once that's done and there's still time, like we have the philosophy of how can I be busy? What else can I do? Find work. That's what the time. Like, yeah. So look then clear everything. Like we look for work and we go bang, bang, bang. I can clean this. I've got time to freshen the car up. I've got time to replenish the water and the mints in the back of the car, whatever it is. Then when that's all done, cool, take some rest, chill out, recuperate for the next bit, all good. But yeah. get the work done first. Don't have such an ego that, well, you know, I need to break I need to have a rest. That's not for me to do. I don't do that. If you just take ego out of whether it's operating, whether it's client liaising, whether it's your job yeah. interviews, if we just, it's like a, it's a testosterone-fueled, egotistical mm-hmm. industry, all good. But the quicker we could shift that generate, like if the new generation coming in don't bring that, if they bring like the right attitude and aptitude to listen and learn and, and push us forward, like I really hope, in 20 years, that's what we see. And, yeah. you know, people like you're a massive contributor to that. Thank you. That no. next generation, like doing it properly. But Thank one thing we can all control, we can't control our, our intelligence, we can't control our experience, like immediately, you can do that over time, but you right. can control your ego. We can all check our ego like that. Some yeah. people pretend they can't, but absolutely, you can just not be a dick. Not be a dick. Start. And honestly, man, that's what I tell you guys. I'm like, you need to learn how to take pride in the right things. You know, learn how to take pride in the quality of service you're going to render. Take pride in being humble. Take pride in having confidence, with which comes from experience with yourself. Are you training? Do you have hobbies that contribute to you being able to perform on duty? Like, do you read books? Do you listen to audio books? Are you doing anything for personal development? Are you... Uh, learning our art are you a new skill a new sporting skill yeah can you you ski can you dive yeah you know Uh, toastmasters can you free fall yeah man you get nervous talking to the clients go to toastmasters learn public speaking take a a sales class you know um it doesn't have to be physical you know but are you contributing to yourself like take pride in being a professional student and those are the guys man that and that's what i really want to see for our, our industry no more of this once upon a time guy oh i went to iraq twice so i know how to do this stuff and it's like no man you know and that you know i i was i was a victim of that right towards the beginning then my buddy took me to a shooting competition and like a 17 year old girl mopped the floor with me and i was like I, <laughs> I've got that a lot ego. of things. Yeah. Yeah. My ego, boom. I took that hit. Well, you know, and that's what I want to see, man. I want to see people who are legitimate protectors and that master and appreciate the art, man. And Real think quick, outside the box, like if, if you live in Texas, yeah, learn Spanish. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just do it. Don't not do it. Just do it. It's pretty simple. Like if you're going, what do I do that is going to benefit my career? Yep. That's just obvious to me. Like, yeah. if you live in an area where there's a predominant culture that speaks of it, learn the language. And, and you guys, you guys already said it, man. As employers, the individuals we see contributing and, and investing in themselves are the easy ones for us to invest in and for us to want to link and join forces with. The ones that are focused on contribution, that are contributing value online, and you see that they're trying to figure out how they can be valuable to the team and they're contributing in themselves. 
it makes it a lot easier for us to want to contribute with, uh, to them as well. So I dig that, man. Um, two more questions as we get, where do you see the industry in your neck of the woods headed, man, if you were going to forecast some things? Is it growing? Is it kind of, um, do you see, tr do they need training? What would you say as far as future scaping in your part of the game? I think for us, like we, we had a massive push into, into Asia Pacific more broadly. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of that whole Southeast Asia piece, which is a, you know, a very large area and very culturally diverse from, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Malaysia on one side to Japan at the top and, and Pacific Islands on, you know, Samoa, Tonga, whatever on the other side. Um, and then COVID obviously kind of put a halt on, on some of that. Okay. Um, so our big play for, for next mm -hmm. year is to get back and, and really just assess where those places are at. Mm. Post-COVID, because obviously a lot of those places are developing nations. A lot of those places survive almost solely on tourism, which didn't mm. happen for them for a while. Yeah. So I think a lot of those landscapes are going to look a lot different now mm. than what they did. So rather than guessing, we want to go back and make sure we understand the lay of the land and, and the, the the risk threats and vulnerabilities in those places. Nice. Um, sort of in our region more broadly. I think... And I think that's critical to, to, to just shortly answer your question. Um, I think for all of us in the industry, whether it's here or there or the other side of the world, that the interconnectivity of the world now, whether it's for us or for our clients, like you have to be able to operate overseas in different parts of the world. You have to be able to have connections all over the place. You have to be able to, you know, expand your, whether it's like I just live in New York, so I operate in, or I live in Manhattan, so I operate in Manhattan, or is it New York, or is it the US, or is it, you know, the continental America? Because yeah. if you're like, serving the billionaire, they're going to move around. It's a matter of time. 100%, man, yeah. Really? So you have to be able to understand those different spaces at least enough. You know, I'm not going to go learn 30 languages to, to be able to work right across Asia, but I am going to go to all those places uh, that I haven't been for a while at least and and make sure I've got connections to the right people, make sure I understand the culture, make sure I understand the mm -hmm. general sort of atmosphere in those places at the moment um, and, and keep fresh so it's not just a thing that I did 10 years ago that I'm relying on. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is predicting um, the next move, right? So, again, going back to the Ukraine conversation, mm. I think most people in the world knew that was brewing for quite a few years, right? Like it wasn't a shock yeah. when it kicked off. Yeah. But nobody thought about it prior. Everybody jumped on it two, three, four months later. So like for us, it's about looking at where's the next one? I don't want to just be the last guy in a chain of of also runs. Like where's the next move? Where's the next strategic you know, environment and, and, and try to build capacity in those places? Um, yeah. You know, because if you can be, and that's for individuals as well, like that's our company strategy. But even if I was a freelancer on the circuit, I would be saying, okay, you know, it was Hong Kong, then it was Ukraine, then it was Taiwan. Like I'd be heading to Taiwan and going, what can I get established over there so that if that, you know, when that kicks, that kicks off, like I'm ready to roll. And understand your, your market. So if you were just in the celebrity market, who are the upcoming celebrities? You know, it's you can do it at a at a, at a macro level or a, or a micro level. Is just like yeah. you need to understand where you work in that environment and how you can best add for the next wave of events for whatever that is. 
Uh, and I think more broadly, to answer your question, the security industry is growing. Um, it's it's going to change. So there's not going to be much as much technical security on residential alarms is going down on one thing, but the AI in cameras is going through the roof. So everyone's going to have cameras at their house, but it's not going to be your traditional, you know, big camera companies, your high visions to that. It's going to be smaller companies that have better analytics yep. uh, sort of thing. And so the industry is going to shape and change and it's like, you need to be on the forefront and go, hey, where's my segment of that industry going mm-hmm. and how can I value add when it does change? Am I ready? So, you know, are yeah. there more, more celebrities, more rich people coming uh, from the South American region and coming up and moving to or are my clients flying to South America more? You need to understand how the wo- people are interacting with the world and how mm-hmm. the world interacts with people to, to predict the next wave. Yep. And be positioned to get there. Yeah, and chart your path and take advantage of, of what's coming. 100%. And the industry is definitely growing. Um, it's a great time to be in this game. Um, and then the final question is, how do you guys want to be remembered, man? What's it all for? You know, what's at the heart of everything you're doing? <clears throat> easy question, you know. <laughs> oh, it's easy, but it's deep, right? Like, yeah, 100%. I was being facetious. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, it, it... <laughs> I mean, in a nutshell, reputationally for the company, you want to be known as the best. Obviously, that's what we're all chasing, right? No one wants to be mediocre or or just just there. I think for us, like we we genuinely have an interest in, you know, Ryan does a lot in the veteran community. Mm-hmm. I do a lot in in the industry to provide the pathways and and elevate those people with the right attitude and aptitude who can't get a job because they weren't in special forces twenty five years ago. So nobody's looking at their resume. Like, I think, you know, we're both like nearly 40, so we've got plenty of time left. But I'd like to see that shift in the industry to, to being a more positive place, like to, to yeah. being an actual career path, to not just being yeah. a place that washed up old old vets end up, you know, like, yeah. let's try and get some more youth. Let's try and provide a, a pathway and, and a supportive environment for people to, because I think the industry as a whole can take a lot of stuff off government eventually. Like if yeah. we were better, if we were a more solid industry globally, yeah. like there's a lot more we could get into. Yep. Because we see now, like as you said, like an operator, an EP operator should be better than your local sheriff or your local yep. your local PD guy. Like way better, <laughs> you know? And Absolutely. Because our LinkedIn's would suggest we're better, right? We all talk a mad game on our LinkedIn profile. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. We're like... Can we actually do it or or what do we end up? So, yeah, I, I think I just want to see like a more positive environment with more genuine pathways yeah. and, and innovation. Like, you know, tech's improving the security climate of the world. It's changing constantly. Like you just got to roll with it and and try and be at the forefront. And, yeah. You know, we're, the one thing we're saying, this is a plug and, and you know, it sounds a bit, bit stupid, but we've, We've genuinely never had negative feedback, like critically negative feedback from a client. Yeah. We've never had it. Obviously, there's feedback that things you can improve on over time, but we've never right. lost a client. We've never had like a genuine, that was terrible, don't do that again, whatever. We've never had it. And I think from a personal point of pride, like obviously we want to maintain that because that's- Yeah, that means a lot. Cool to have been, been going as long as we have with 
clients with as big a profiles as we've had. Yeah. Really go wrong. But, you know, that's a 24-7 process. Like, it's not natural. We're not, I'm not sitting here saying, look how good we are. We work all the time. Like, yeah, man. All the time on that. No, I love it, man. No, that's good. I, I think it's good that people know that about you guys, that you take pride in that because you absolutely should, especially in this industry. And uh, I love that you guys are all about, you know, helping guys be legitimate protectors and, and invest in themselves. And even the idea of wanting to see this industry, especially in your area, be able to provide a legitimate pipeline. That's a career path. That was one of the things I was really excited about because I mean, even for me, when I started in an EP, it was kind of still kind of like you got to know a guy like, um, it was a little bit like the Wild West. Like there's dudes making mad money going over to Iraq contracting. But back here, it was still kind of like you got lucky, you know, a billionaire. They got a little bit of a security thing going. Now we've seen the industry develop exponentially here in the U.S., which has been beautiful because now I have all these guys I can plug into, you know, a legit career path. And it means a whole lot, you know, a whole lot. It's been beautiful. So. Yeah, man, I love it to you, man, because you've taken this stuff to the people. Like, you've taken this back to grassroots and given it to the people. It's not that intimidating. Like, you know, again, a dude with a guard card that wants to improve is not going to go stand and get yelled at by some drill sergeant on a race because he's just going to be intimidated to shit and go, oh, I've got all these ex-Green Berets standing there. They all know what they're doing. That guy's yelling, oh, I'm not going to go. Whereas you've actually taken it back to the people and and just given everybody the best chance, like the best information, the best capability to, to improve and, and you've balanced it out so you've you've made it more economical yeah. uh for a broad range of people to get into the industry so yeah, yeah millions of dollars were spent on me through my military career yeah. i'm only a product of that uh environment all those lived right. experience you've you've opened it up and you've wow. passed on knowledge you know cheaper than you know your programs are cheap but like yeah. at a cheaper capacity for the broader people to lift yeah. their game. And as, you know, a rising tide fucking raises all ships, you know, the the more better guards that are out there is just going to be, hey, the next step, I only have to teach you this much to get to that level and then I need to teach you this much to get that level. You know, it's a snowball effect along the way. So, yeah, you know, it and that, again, technology and social media has allowed us to do that, but it takes the individual to take the ego out and hey, hey, they're not my secrets. I didn't invent them. So right. why wouldn't I pass them along? As a culture, that's yeah. how we progress. You know, man. Like yeah. you pass on knowledge to the next generation. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I want to be the guy that, you know, my team should be better than me. Yeah. Man. You know, the next guy coming through should be better than me because I should be able to compress my life experience into a portion that that person can. Uh, absorb and then grab Josh's life experience and absorb that. So he's he's got two lo- lots of life experience. That's yeah. how a society grows and builds right. uh, over time throughout history. So our our you know protector society that that you've established. That's what I want to see down the track. People yeah. passing on knowledge. Thank you. You know, and yeah. when you do that, you actually get jobs because I know people <laughs> call me up and like, hey, you've helped me out. Yeah. Well, I've got this weird contract. They're your sales reps. Yeah. You know, 100%. I don't know how to do this as well as you. Yeah. You come in and we'll slice well, the pie up. Yeah. You know, it's profitable for everyone. 
Mm-hmm. Except for those one or two jerks in the industry that we all have that are all over the world that will out that won't carry bags. Yeah, God. won't carry bags. <laughs> God bless them. They're out there. No, thank you. It's good. It, it really means a lot to be seen accurately. Because um, when I first started in, in in terms of making content and even for the podcast, you know, a lot of guys were like, dude, you know, you're ruining the industry and, you know, no one's ever going to work with you. And then I was like, no, like one, what we do is not that we're not the CIA guys. Okay. So just chill out one, two, I'm not going to talk about anything sensitive, but what I am going to do is I'm going to help all these guys that are out here, just like me, who had to figure it out by themselves, actually have some way to acquire confidence with what we're doing. And what's it going to do? Bring back honor and dignity to, to what we do as we have more competent agents out here in the game. So we created the largest the largest body of real world executive protection content with this, with this podcast series, there's hundreds of videos, the largest body in terms of tactical, not the tactical protection reviews, but the field notes. I have over a hundred field notes on a playlist on YouTube, just go and get it. And when I really got to see the fruit of that, man, it, it was humbling because I went to that close protection conference and dudes were walking up to me and they're like, bro, what, thank you for the free content because what you've done is you helped me get a job. You helped me be able to do the job. Like, like, thank you. And that's when I realized, and there were some cool kids that, you know, didn't want to shake my hand or whatever. But what I did realize is I'm doing this for the guy on the out there with the earpiece in the right now on post at nighttime watching us during this podcast and actually working we want him to be able to perform and that's what this information is for that's who this information is for and you know what it, it makes operations better if you know because clients will only pay what for clients want you know they only have a limited budget so you may go on a job which you know it has needs two people but mm-hmm. they only send one yeah and if you look across the room there's we go to events where there's multiple EP dudes and you're like, hey, man, I know that dude. He's done training. He's done that stuff. Yep. And I've been on it, um, yep. you know, on a, on a media thing, in a, in a riot. We're and looking after looking camera So we got, we're looking after three people and there's only mm-hmm. one EP dude. And I looked over at the, at the other mm-hmm. network. I knew that dude. And we're like, hey, man, we're going to operate together now. <laughs> we're not. 100%. We've been paid by different people, but let's like Make pull this our happen. resources yeah. and protect our uh, our clients the best way we can because I know that dude has skills. So That's passing right. that knowledge on actually helps your operations. And yeah. I, I think it's programs like yours that, that, you know, hopefully we do it in a sort of smaller way with, with industry advocacy and stuff. You made it okay to, to, to be open about it. Like before yeah. that it was like, no, I do my thing and I talk about my thing and you, yeah, man. you just go over there and you do your thing and – like you, you kind of in the biggest way of you know. There's obviously a lot of influences out there and mm. and people in the space doing good things. But I think, like certainly from my experience, you're the one that made it okay to talk about Thank the you. good, the bad, the gaps. Like, what do I need to work on? You made it okay to be honest about. Yeah, well, I don't know everything. Like, yeah. and we're not perfect. We're all, all <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we're not perfect, we're and not you only perfect. learn through your mistakes or someone else's. Yeah. They've told you their mistakes, so you're not going to do that. Yes. Or you make a mistake and go, hey, man, it didn't go critical. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that next time. And yeah, there's not a person out listening to this podcast that hasn't thought that. You know, yeah. I'm 13 years special forces yeah. and I've made plenty of fucking mistakes, yep. but I've learned from them. And that's the key. That's the key. And yeah. hopefully we can all learn from them. And that's really yeah. what makes us all better. Well, it produces good things, right? Because we looked at, at coming over to 
Vegas for one of the conferences about five years ago. Yeah. And I sort of looked at it like it came up on LinkedIn or whatever and I didn't really know any of them. Like I knew some of the names, but I never really had any connection to anybody and I thought, you know, it's a pretty expensive venture to just turn up in Vegas and hope dudes will talk to me and hopefully I'll get something out of it. Like do yeah. I want to spend 10, 10 grand on that? That right. like that maybe, you know, but then over the last couple of years, like, you know, obviously more time in the industry, more exposure and whatever, but, you know, through guys like yourself and, and, and the connections we've been able to make in a more open world, like we're coming over this year, but, yep. you know, not only are we coming up, like it's valuable to, for us to come over, but I've got a list of like 30 guys that we're already teed up to have meetings with that we're already like actively going relationships. Yeah, and it's not it's not just from like a you know that wasn't just cold strategy based. Hey, I need to get in with that guy. That's just right. like people this have is- opened up to to doing this stuff, you know, because of yeah. the the open content that's out there and like Thank the, the fact that it's okay now to to kind of turn up and go. Oh, I don't know anyone in the room. Can you help me out? Like hundred percent, a normal thing. You know, that's and true. Hey, you're not going to know anyone in the room unless you come up and say hi. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, so whether that's on LinkedIn or in person, mm-hmm. you know, introduce yourself, have an intelligent conversation uh, about the right topics at the right time, and people will listen to you because people aren't fucking jerks all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's actually so many cool people in the game. You know, it's it's been an honor. My goal has been the same goal of most of the uh, most of the successful warriors that I like to study, which is uniting the tribes, man. I want to unite the tribes. I want to unite our industry. I want to create it. And we are going to create an international network together around this globe that of resources that we can work together. We're going to get better together. We're going to make this industry better together. So gentlemen, it's an honor. I can't wait to see you guys out there in Vegas at the EP forum, the close protection. Awesome. Hanging. We're going to be networking, talking, I'm looking forward to all of it. You guys got anything else you want to leave us with before I wrap this thing up? No, good, man. Appreciate your time. Yeah, well, thank you. This if I mean, those who are listening got a lot from this, you know, and if you guys made it all the way to the end, much love and respect. I hope I get to see most of you guys out there in the field, training at the the events, all the stuff, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. This is my MCK. There are many like it, but this one is mine. If you've got a firearm sitting around, a pistol that you are not doing anything with, get an MCK. They make them for every single model. If you want a micro conversion kit that will turn your handgun into a force multiplier, get one, man. They are ultra affordable. CAA MCK micro conversion kits are the changing the game y'all so if you don't have one you need to get one get one your women children people that are less physically potent will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy you will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy i want to get one of these into the hands of a hundred thousand more protectors this year because ultimately we are only as good as the things, the nation is only as good as its protection. Your home is only as safe and as good as your ability to protect it. MCK, go get one. Drop your handgun in. Take it to the next level. Out.
Boom. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can, because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions. Yo, and before we go, you know I got a shout out to the sponsors, starting out with Primary Weapon Systems, PWS. They truly are the evolution of the rifle. Use Byron for 10% off. Grayman and Company, the most comfortable tactical suits in the game. Use Byron for 10% off with them. Until the next podcast, this is Byron Rogers, protected by nature and by trade. Out.